Welcome back to Beard Time with Books. Woo! Yeah! It's been a hot minute. This is part two of the Underground Railroad, and the same crew is back. What's up, crew? Same crew. Hey, guys. I hated that. <laughs> this is a good crew. This yeah, is a good crew. It's a great crew. Uh, we got the classic three, and our guest is back. Hello, hello. Uh, we're excited to get to the end of the Underground Railroad. This is our sixth book of the podcast, and we're excited to get into some of the things that we've been doing outside of the podcast since the last episode. So uh, let's first start off with what we're drinking. Anybody want to go first? I think we're all drinking the same thing. We may be. I'm pretty sure. I think, I, I mean, there were two house. options, but I think we all chose one of them. Yeah. It's because it looks go. like Chiefs. All right, you guys want to do it in unison? Spearman. One, two, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're all drinking the Kansas City Craft Brewers Red Lager. This is a new thing. Like I've never seen this before. It looks like a Chiefs jersey. Yeah, it does look like a Chiefs jersey. We have another one in the fridge, which I don't know, you guys are welcome to in the middle of the episode, but it's blue for the Royals. Um, but yeah, this is a completely new beer. I think it's pretty tasty. At the top, it says "hot owned by Belgians." Oh, what does that mean? I think hot owned. Not no, not owned. yeah, it's not owned. Oh, not owned. Oh, that is <laughs> that, that is does shade. look like an H. That's shade though, because it looks like an H. Also, it says yet hot <laughs> owned by Belgians. Boulevard is owned I by a Belgian oh. company, so they're just throwing oh, it shade. Is not no. no, that's what I'm saying. This is like a completely new it's thing. It's just Kansas City Craft Brewers. The shade. There is, yeah, there is definitely I shade. I also prefer hot owned by Bill. Yeah, I was yes. going to say, I don't that's know what that means, but I'm, I'm into I'm, it. I'm, I'm here for it. Bio. Well, hot owned. Hot owned. Hot owned by Belgians. Well, since we all are drinking uh, the Kansas City Craft Brewers Red Lager, um, you know, we can we can get through that section and let's introduce ourselves with some of the recent media we've been consuming. Anybody want to start with that? I can start. Um, hi, this is Jamie. Uh, I What have I been consuming? That's a great question. Um, Brian and I just started Marvelous Mrs. Maisel uh, on Amazon Prime Video. Um, and it's cool. We've watched two episodes, um, but I really like it so far. It's funny. Uh, we also, since the last episode, watched all of... Uh, Russian Doll. Oh my god! Which is wanted to see this. Russian Doll. So oh, it's good. so fucking good. It's so good. It's oh. I love her in. It's so oh, orange is new black. Yeah. yeah, she's great. She's insane in that. Like it's so I can't even. I watched the whole show in like two. Is that days. Netflix? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's it's not phenomenal. enough praise for we, that show. We watched the first three like spread out because it was in the middle of the week, and we hit. I think we watched the end of the third episode on a Friday. And we just watched the rest of it because we were like something happened at the end that we're just like, oh, my God. Yeah, we, we, like, we, we have, have to know <laughs> that we have to finish this. Right. It's only eight episodes, it's, 30, the 30 minutes. Yeah, it's almost like a mo- like it's just a movie. Yeah, like a four like hour a movie. movie. Yeah, I like that. It's a long movie. And I don't know. It's just I don't. It just it's so feels like a long movie. Yeah, you can't watch. I feel like you can't watch it in too many segments yeah it's it's awesome and they're doing uh season two also which was crazy sick 
outside of that uh outside of that i've been rereading the crucible for the 87th time um so also sick Sick, uh it's very exciting i really love it my kids genuinely is my juniors are reading it and they genuinely really like it this year like they're they're feeding into my nonsense oh it's such a good feeling um like today i (laughs) told They had, a, they had a pop quiz over Act 2 today, but I told them as I was passing it, I was like, guys, I'm sorry, the devil conjured a quiz for you, and here we are. Um, I was like, you can't blame me, because it's the devil. Call the devil if you have a question. <laughs> but then somebody called me the devil, Oof. and that oh. backfire. No. Backfire. <laughs> it's me. immediately. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, I'm just one of his pawns. Leave me alone. Um, but that's most of what I've been doing. Hi, I'm Emily, and I am a slave to my education, so I've been consuming <laughs> next to no media. I would love to start Fleabag. Um, mm-hmm. Same. We almost did that. that was yeah, I would like to watch that. Yeah, one of the two. So I think that'd be great. Um, when I can do that, reading textbooks for classes and reading Of Mice and Men with my juniors right now and A Raisin in the Sun with my sophomores. And it's been great. Candy's dog just died, so <laughs> it's a rough time. Spoilers, Spoiler. but not the biggest spoiler. <laughs> a classic spoiler. Not so <laughs> sick. <laughs> I had a couple kids cry. It's fine. Um, so yeah, it's been good. It's been fun. Interesting thing. Just side note, really quickly. Just before this uh, episode, we were watching um, Good Mythical Morning, and they had a question that they were asking people. Where, like, you could push a button, kill all the cats in the world, and, like, save everybody from everything else. It was, and, it was specifically ooh, like end, global, end warming. global warming and save the planet. And a ton um, of people did you that. you have to kill all the cats. Yeah, so a ton of people, I'm just going to make this quick. A ton of people did that, and then they were like, just as, like, a thing, we also tried it with dogs, and, like, fewer people did it. Oh. It was, like, very <laughs> close to the line of, like, that doesn't surprise I don't know. Me. So, anyway, you're, dogs the, are the dog it, thing. It makes sense. Yeah, so, anyway, <laughs> go ahead. I don't want to get, get before we talk right. about this book because it's so it's not yeah, sick. Yeah, not yeah, sick. Not Different sick. sick. Um, this is Danny. Um, I've been watching a lot of Shameless exclusively. And I'm interested. It's, I mean, it's a lot. It's hysterical. I love it a lot. It takes place in like south, uh, in the south side of Chicago, and it's great. I love it. Um, what else? Oh, I've also been listening to Pod Save America um, recently, just about like impeachment and other yep. stuff and whistleblowers. Why though? And, Why? Oh yeah, no, nothing's happening in current events. But I've just been listening to Pod Save. Um, Merriam Webster's tweet. Uh, guess what? The n- oh, number also one <laughs> defining things <laughs> yeah. specifically. Um, and another show. Uh, oh no, I started. Uh, Saturday night, I hung out with Brian and Jamie, and Jamie told me to read Death of a Salesman and gave me the book, and I'm halfway done. Uh, and I have Act 2 to read. It's so good. It's so good. I love it. It's so good. Um, Speaking of, that's another Arthur Miller play. Look yeah. at that. Crucible. Per Jamie, Death of a Salesman. for the Crucible, I'm reading, uh, because she's reading the Crucible, I'm reading Death of a Salesman, and I've also finished Normal People by Sally Rooney, which is like a... 2018 hit book that people said you should read and it's sad my as favorite hell. genre it's sad as hell um i read it in like a day and it was depressing so 
I don't know. If you want to feel that way, then you should read it. Uh, and anything else? I don't think I'm reading it. I finished. No, that's all. That's nice. it. <laughs> Going out with a bang. That's I it. Finished. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's all. Um, I have two books that I'm reading currently that have spawned from kind of random circumstances Bond. both music related um i've been watching a ton of uh documentaries about musicians and bands and eventually one of them led me to a grateful dead documentary so i've been watching a ton of those also on tc they talk about uh time crisis sorry guys uh they, they talk about grateful dead a lot and so the grateful dead have bluegrass phases and so i've been kind of like playing bluegrass music and getting into all of that but also on the other end of things they were a part of the late 60s acid tests the grateful dead was uh where they were the house band for like all these experiments uh in california and so i'm reading the electric kool-aid acid test which follows ken kesey who is the author of one flew over the cuckoo's nest because he was like is that how you say that which i'm also reading by the way yeah, that, that's true. I'm halfway through One Floor of the Cougars. Uh, that book is crazy. I did not know what to expect. It's very, like, experimental in style, but also, like, touches on some pretty interesting, like, modern philosophy. It's a little Kurt Vonnegut-y. A little bit. I feel like. Yeah. One Floor of the Cougars. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Yes, One Floor of the Cougars. But he's talking about... Yeah, I'm talking about, yeah. One Floor of the Cougars is a little Kurt Yeah. So, and it's cool because it's, like following along though it's an experimental novel it's like following along real events which were also crazy i just it it blows my mind that stuff like that went down but at the time the acid was legal so they were just doing legal things the acid the acid um and then the other thing i've been taking guitar lessons and playing a lot of jazz and so i put together a playlist of a lot of classic jazz standards that i have been playing and I have been trying to find singers singing them to learn the melodies better. Because when singers sing, instead of an instrument playing, the melody's more pure. And one of the people that I keep getting is Billie Holiday. Because she's just pretty straightforward and she has a beautiful voice. Not and Billie Eilish. Not Billie Eilish. <laughs> to clarify. Uh, uh, Billie yeah, Holiday Eilish. was the original call girl. No, no. Um, <laughs> Uh, so basically, the book is about <laughs> Billie Holiday. I, I want Billie Eilish to do an album of uh, classic covers She'd of standards, it. jazz standards. That would be interesting. I, She'd I want kill that. It. Yeah, yeah she I do great. think that she would kill it. Billie Eilish, if you're listening. <laughs> B- Billie Eilish covers Billie Holiday. Billy covers Billy. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Billy on Billy. Billy on Billy. (laughs) Billy on Billy. I'm down. Uh, So regardless, the book is uh, Billy Holiday, the musician and the myth. And the book is focusing on debunking Billy Holiday's own like myths about herself. She had a lot of books uh, or she had one autobiography and other biographies written about her. And she kept telling different stories. And a lot of it is very sad, but also people can't really tell how true it all is. And so this book is from 2015 and it's like taking every book, article, whatever that's ever been written and tries to navigate what actually is true, which is kind of an interesting uh, concept for the book to look at other books while telling the story about Billy Holiday, the singer. So that's been the deal. A couple books. And with that, we have another book that we have all just finished 
We're moving into the main meat of the program. Mm. Here this we are. The main meat. The main meat. <laughs> no. The main meat. <laughs> All right. We need to be somber now, everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, this is so me. this is the back half of the Underground Railroad, and we'll get a summary kicked off from Jamie. Yeah. Um, so where we left off in our first episode, uh, Cora had just made it to North Carolina. Um, she escaped South Carolina right before there was a, a raid essentially. Um, but Caesar didn't make it out. Uh, Cora is with a family that, uh, is very scared because North Carolina is terrifying and will immediately murder any black person that they see. Um, and this family was also not in the the game anymore yeah they thought that their uh segment of the underground railroad had closed and it was no longer um open for business um but they take her in uh much to the wife's dismay um and she has to live in an attic for a while while she's up there she's watching just like horrible atrocities out the window of these people um like, every Friday having a party and hanging someone. And, like, an attic where she's, like, laying flat. Yeah, like, like she has no She's space. not, like, like, walking around. Yeah, the the thing that she's looking through is, like, a very peephole. small peephole. Yeah. And, yeah. like, that's supposed to be her one saving grace. And, like, it gets ruined. Yeah, and quickly. she has, like, a couple books. Like, the Bible and an almanac to keep her company. And she has to be absolutely silent because uh, they're made who comes every day would definitely turn her in um, if she heard that they were harboring a fugitive. Um, But she gets kind of comfortable in the routine there, but then one day she gets really, really sick, um, like unconscious, sick, fever. Uh, And so the married couple tell their servant girl that they are sick, so she can't come for a few days, and they try to get her better. But in that time... um, their maid person uh, helps somebody like with a clue that they might want to raid that house, um, the slave catchers. Um, and so she is again caught on her journey. Uh, By Ridgeway, who we uh, kept seeing the build up to, he, he finally came to get her. Yeah, the complicated character of Ridgeway, who. Um, started out kind of kind of sympathetic like the fir- very first chapter where we're introduced to him when he's like a young kid you're kind of like oh maybe he's fine and then he turns really terrible but Ridgeway captures her um he starts to take her uh oh directions are bad west he takes her west because he needs to na- make another stop before he takes her down south to Georgia um in that time a few different things happen but essentially they make it to Tennessee and uh, some other, like, former slaves or just freed black men uh, kind of ambush Ridgeway because they see Cora all chained up, and they save her and leave Ridgeway uh, in a field. Um, they take her to Indiana, uh, where she lives on a farm, which the name of I will forget the Valentine, Valentine. Valentine Farm. 
um, that essentially is like a safe haven for a bunch of former slaves. Um, as utopian as it can possibly be. Yeah, kind in of like this era. Like it's like a weird comparison to the plantations that she's worked on before because they're all still working like for a plantation essentially, but they're they are free to do as they please outside of that as long as they help out. They like can go into town and and can semi choose their work. Yeah, they can choose their work a little bit, and also they can leave at any time. Like they're not. Um, but it is still kind of like a weird uh, indentured servitude uh, state. Um, and then that farm is sabotaged. Uh, there are theories as to who um, who who created the raid or encouraged the raid of the farm. But essentially they're having a big meeting one night um, and a bunch of white men from the town come and start shooting people. Um, within that, Cora had a significant other um, again, whose name Royal. is Royal. Royal, thank you. I'm so, there's so many names and I, uh, but Royal is shot um, and dies in Cora's arms and then right as that is happening, Ridgeway comes in again uh, kind of seemingly out of nowhere like it had been a while that she'd been at that farm and she thought that he was kind of done for like his reputation was ruined and it had, nobody had really heard from him um, and also her her owner um, in Georgia had died at that point um, so his only skin in the game is like just gamesmanship a little yeah. bit it's just like I need to do this for my own yeah, because her mother, thing. quote unquote, got away. Um, so he has like a personal vendetta against Cora. Um, but he comes in and takes her again. He says that, or they overheard Royal talking about the line of the Underground Railroad that's nearby. And so they make Cora take them to that line. And then Cora uh, kind of like tackles Ridgeway down the stairs and he gets like a. A brain injury uh it sounds like because he doesn't really remember what's happening sucks and, uh and cora <laughs> gets away on a hand cart thing um that's a lot of information also in there uh a lot of different things are revealed about different characters the main thing being that uh cora's mother did not actually escape um she was free for about a night, and then she was bit by a snake and died. On her way back. Yeah. She decided to go back. because of, Because the of Cora. It was ever the worst. That was, yeah, that was probably the worst. The hard, one of the hardest parts to read. Um, that's a general summary. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. For sure. Um, there's a lot, but. General consensus met. Yeah, that's where <laughs> yeah, we are. Definitely. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Um, okay, so. For discussion purposes, I wanted to start out with uh, just uh, initial reactions or, like, your favorite thing from the book now that it has been finished. Um, just sort of, like, go around the circle and say the, the thing that stuck out to you the most or something that you kept going back to. Um, because I kept thinking about one thing, so I'll start. You guys can think. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I... I think the the biggest. Oh, I was gonna start. Oh, but... sorry, sorry. Well, I'm just gonna wanted the book anyway, but go ahead. <laughs> um, the thing that I wanted to start with was I felt like I this happened a little bit in the um, 
the first half of the novel as well, but in the second half is uh, way... In the second half, something that was really prevalent, something that stuck out to me a lot, was how quick the tragedy was every time it happened. Like, I felt like every single time that there was... Um, a really, really horrible thing. Like anytime Ridgeway showed up or somebody died, right before that, you were lulled into such a sense of security. Like, and it would be like a sentence where suddenly I would have to reread it because I didn't realize what was happening. Like, especially um, the first time that Ridgeway comes to the house in North Carolina and Cora is like, oh, the bed, one more night in the bed. And then she hears a noise downstairs and then he grabs her from under the bed and it's like two sentences to prepare you for, oh no, this is happening. Um, and I just felt like that happened over and over again where I was lulled into like, oh, she's happy again. And that's so nice. That's so good. And then there would be two sentences that would just absolutely destroy my world. Um, and it happened over and over and over again that just I... I am amazed by that that craft from Colson Whitehead. Like I don't I don't know how I could write something like that that just brings you in and tears you down so quickly. Um I thought that the writing was just really good in that sense, even though it hurt a lot. Um but that was the thing that kept sticking out to me. So you guys can either comment on that or we can <laughs> move on to somebody else's thing you go <laughs> i just think the thing i liked the most uh i think the structure of the whole story was so so well done i really liked the back and forth between what was essentially like a short story almost because it did take you out of the main trajectory of the story by going into other characters backgrounds because while a lot of that was pertinent information, oftentimes it'd be taking place in a different period of time. Uh, and so it was just really nice to kind of, first of all, have world building in that way. Because even with minor characters, uh, we may get to it. This is when we were talking about, even, but even with Ethel in the house, how she had had even a conflicted relationship with having Cora in the attic in the first place. And her story could have ended there we still got a look into more of her past to see why she feels the way that she did give some more illumination into her thoughts on uh, a lot of societal things overall. Cause she had had a conflicted relationship with uh, kind of the ownership aspect uh, of slavery because she saw, um, I think, was it the daughter of yeah. a servant of the house? Something with the J, but her, father's right. so, daughter so it was you know just really interesting to be able to get that even though she wasn't the main source of that and i think it was all epitomized in a really great way of like we got a lot of these really great short stories and one of the best one was with mabel at the end and it even felt grander to me because we had talked about how the fact that we liked the very first sentence of the entire novel um, where it was the first time Caesar approached Cora about running north, she said no. It communicated a lot there. And then we get to the chapter with Mabel, which is huge because not only is it a motivator 
for Korra, Mabel's actions, but also for Ridgeway. So this chapter feels like it carries some inflated importance. And it starts out with another really impactful, heavy first sentence of the first and last thing she gave to her daughter were apologies. And it really brought you into her own story because all you heard of it was kind of through Cora's recollection. So, you know, we get deep into Mabel and then it hits with one of the most like emotionally impactful moments of the entire novel, especially because it circumvents expectations in a really good way. It wasn't like a tropey thing. It was like a, a genuinely devastating thing, uh, especially from the fates of two of the main characters of the novel and how that affects them. Uh, I just think that all those short stories were super crucial to uh, creating the overall effect of the novel. I think that those were really well done, and it was just so great that that final chapter of the shorter chapters was also probably the best one, in my opinion. So, Yeah. Um, to segue off that, because that was mine as well, were these tidbits that we got, and I think they were well-placed after the fact. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking at the second half, and Ethel, Caesar, and Mabel, all deceased characters, and, like, we know yeah. these things about them, and especially Ethel's part, when she came up, I'm like, okay, what could we know about this woman? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of this abrupt change of heart um, that I didn't look into until I read about her. I'm like, oh, cool, right. she's taking care of her. I didn't ask myself, like, why that would be um, when she was so opposed to having her there the entire time. And so I thought just placing that afterwards um, was really good. The Mabel, I think you pretty much hit everything on that, but I agree just the style of doing it afterwards and having those um, stories to empathize yeah. like, with those characters more. I will say on that note, the one um, chapter that was like that that – bothered me a little bit I don't know like I think it's well done but also speaking of me just being taken aback by things being so subtly mentioned that are just horrific um I loved Caesar so much in the first half and when his death is first mentioned it's kind of like word of mouth Cora doesn't really react it's like very quickly like oh yeah and that boy uh that you were with like yeah they killed him immediately whatever and then it moves on and then suddenly there's a chapter that's called Caesar and I was fully expecting it to be like they think he's dead but he made it out like I was kind of pissed because he still died but it comes afterwards and so like I think that circumvented my expectations of like he's he's maybe he's fine because we didn't really know we didn't we weren't there um and that kind of made me angry I understand the craft of it (laughs) I also wanted more to that story in general. Like, it was just brushed upon, and he was such a vital character in the first half, and then he just kind of, like, Yeah, I was surprised at that. Yeah, it Um, felt weird to, like, turn to that chapter and, like, only have a few pages worth of his, like, like story. And I also was, like, kind of angry about, like, Caesar's... Maybe that was the point. I don't know. But just, like, feeling like Caesar's story wasn't really fleshed out as much as it could have been. Um... But my, like, uh, the thing that stuck out to me the most throughout the whole book was um, her, like, uh, like, her desire to, like, learn and her desire to read. Like, she, throughout all of her different, like, types of imprisonment, like, she was just, like, constantly striving to, like, find a book, find anything and read Um, in North Carolina. Like, I was just picturing her, like, in, like, the heat with, like, the tiny window like with a little reader like trying to like learn her like letters and words and that was like I don't know it was a very small thing but um her persistence to like educate herself was 
super um like super poignant to me um on that same note do you guys think that there is a specific purpose or um reason why whitehead chose to make her main her main like joy in reading came from almanacs um which is an interesting choice like it's not (laughs) the the most um engaging reading material i would say um but maybe it represents something about like structure in her life or i tried to think of like like even she liked reading the the ones that were about previous years like it wasn't even like she got to see the future until the very end um but maybe something in the idea that something in the world could make sense maybe yeah i think uh for the almanacs first of all it's just part of this that um made me enjoy the story overall so well because Colson Whitehead was very good about uh, including purposeful minor details. And in the case of the Almanac, like part of that to me was, first of all, just having a great resolution of where it also progresses along with Cora that she's reading these previous editions that, you know, what other book could she read that she'd be able to have a progression where there's this new one that means so much, but the almanac being a yearly thing, it hits so much heavier when she gets this new edition, the spine cracks. Like it was a cool continuation of something that was seemingly so minor previously. So I think it was just cool for that as like a good resolution for Cora in the midst of a lot of horrors. And also I think a lot of it too, is that she's so engrossed by something that's so plain and it kind of highlights, uh, what she's lacked a little bit that like she hasn't had the ability to read. So even an almanac that most people would find boring is like this huge thing to her, which I think is kind of telling from that aspo- or aspect of it as well, that, uh, um, that she would be so into that. I think that that's part of it too, is like having a seemingly boring book that she's into just highlights a lot of the fact that like, Hey, she hasn't had, like anything else to read that like it it's cool that she's getting something now because she's even enthralled by an almanac so i think a couple of those things but uh, i also just think as a storytelling device it was just really great to have that minor progression in the story itself yeah i agree i think that that's uh valid it's a nice thing to keep having and like when she gets the new one that's like the future mm-hmm. um it's kind of foreshadowing her future a little bit that it's bright and fresh and new maybe we don't really know um that's another thing i wanted to talk about is that at the very end um my uh understanding of the last chapter of the book we we um start each chapter or certain sections with the um the slave ads like runaway slave Mm -hmm. ads uh at the beginning of the chapter um and i did look in the acknowledgments uh colson whitehead says that those are like historical uh he found them in uh some uh database of the time period um but the very last one is finally cora's uh but it's not uh 
maybe literal or maybe it is or maybe i don't know um it ends with she has stopped running reward remains unclaimed she was never property um which i think is an interesting way to open that chapter but maybe i'm just uh cynical uh because so often like she has so many of those moments where you're lulled into safety um and then it's it's torn down in such extreme ways that i feel this last chapter like we don't really know where she ends up like she gets into a wagon with a man who seems nice he's going to missouri um and then off to california i think um and that seems promising but i don't trust it at all um so do do did you guys feel like it was a happy ending for cora or is it is there another tragedy just around the bend like is that is that slave uh runaway slave ad supposed to tell us that everything ends up okay or i want so consistently (laughs) we've obviously been let down um so the cynic in me wants to say there's more to it probably um, but also she's in a much better location with what seems to be a group of people and some are white. So she's more protected potentially. So part of me thinks that that's just like the end, the further North, the safer she is. And so maybe this is like it. I'm not sure. But I feel like at the <clears throat> farm, she was also protected and mm. there were, so- but they there were was- a threat. That was a threat. There was to- a threat, but there were also on the farm, like some, white people or white adjacent people who were like helping the cause (laughs) i think a thing that's interesting though in this case is and especially interesting given the the title of the chapter is that they're going west like her journey her journey has been north this whole time and a lot of the issues of the era are with the north versus the south but in looking at the actual geography it's like eastern united states Mm -hmm. north versus the south yeah she never makes it north like really truly north but that's the thing is that she's now heading west instead like a lot of it is the steady journey up and so i think that even the fact that that's different kind of says something to me and that you know she's heading to a place that's removed and also from where American history kind of goes is like the new frontiers, California. A lot of great things happen in the beginning of California. A lot of opportunity in California, like with the gold rush and everything else. I think that it is very interesting that it's particularly this wagon is going west. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're going to keep going north. We're going to go north until we're in the northernmost point and there's no south anymore to deal with. I think that like that to me feels like it's very intentional. I don't know. I almost feel I almost feel the opposite. Like I feel like as like a white person, I want to be like oh and then it was happily ever after. She went west and she <laughs> lived in California amid the palm trees. Like I kind of feel like I want it to be like like she met this guy and like they traveled west and it was a utopia and it was manifest destiny and it was you know like i really like i feel she says manifest <laughs> destiny i mean i do i feel like i want it to be that but i don't i think that there has been so much of like i feel like it's almost like a cycle like the 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 
the good thing happens for like a few seconds and you like read a few sentences and you're like oh she has a warm bed and she's like with a nice white family who's like gonna take care of her and gonna protect her and then everything gets fucked up like again and again and I feel like I don't know I don't know I don't know what I don't know what happens I don't purport to know what happens but I feel like the implication is uh that this is a cycle that's like gonna keep happening like she's just gonna keep running she's gonna like live in fear continually and um like not to be so cynical but like that's that's like I feel like something that was a reality for a lot of people um so I don't know I I feel like it just felt very cyclical it felt like it could like this ended at a point where like it could have ended a hundred pages before it or a hundred pages after it and it just like felt like it could have just kept going um like she met new people and like it was very exciting and like very like oh like maybe they're gonna harbor me and they're gonna like protect me um and then like it keeps she keeps getting found or she keeps getting i don't know exposed yeah Hmm. but the ad (laughs) no yeah you're (laughs) right i don't know i mean i think that's our little something to hold on to yeah yeah maybe do we think that that's tainted at all? This is a new thought in my brain, so maybe it's not real. But the chapter right before that, immediately before that ad, is where we find out about her mother. Yeah. Um, and her mother, like, kind of has this moment of clarity and is like, okay, I experienced something outside of the plantation, um, but I need to go back for my daughter. And she, like, finally feels kind of, like, content almost in that moment of, like, I know that I did this and I can tell Cora about it. And then she dies. And it's another, like, anticlimactic moment of, like, we think that it... I mean, we don't because we know she doesn't come back. But something good might be happening. And then she dies. And then immediately after that, we're led into Cora's ending that I maybe like is there supposed to be a parallel there like is Cora going to just like think that everything's good and then it tor- turns out bad or or is she pushing beyond the point that her mother ever could there's been this consistent parallel between the two they've been compared so many times your mother got away from me or I mm-hmm. needed you because of your mother and your mother you were the locomotive um and we've she's obviously proved like we found out that she's much more than like she wouldn't have turned around. She didn't turn around for Lovey, and she didn't turn around when she could have, yeah. as Mabel did. So, I think they've been separated at that point. Yeah, I mean the the thing with the ending of like, is it a happy ending? We kind of touched on this last episode, but like, how could it possibly be? Yeah. Um, because regardless of what happens, there's still horrific things happening in the country anyway, and I think. Uh, one of the things I had even said is like, well, what's the most ideal ending is like, we get a flash forward to four generations down the line and like Cora's kids are cool and, <laughs> and like free yeah. and safe. But like, w- that's just not an option. So it's like, how happy can it even be? Even with Mabel herself, as sad as it was, there was still the silver lining of like, you know, we looked at the book through a generational lens cause we saw Ajari and then Mabel and then, uh, and then Cora, but when Mabel was dying, she was almost content to have gotten as far as she did. Like that was progress in and of itself to get out of the farm and get to where she did, even though obviously she wanted to go back and see Cora, there was some contentment and it's not a happy story, but it's like progression in that way. So like, yeah, it is hard to say that the story overall is 
like a happy ending even from what we have and like what the possibility possibilities are but at least it's like leading in to like Cora got farther than her mother did and hopefully like she can pass that along because no matter how long she survives hopefully like this thing with this guy pans out obviously history says it might not because the other guys have uh, had tragic ends but like it is hard to say that it's just like a happy ending because how could it be valid yeah <laughs> um you don't think that Cora is like the great 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 grandmother of Barack Obama or something <laughs> Barack Obama's great great grandmother is Irish maybe I think that's his grandfather actually okay um <laughs> anyway uh Speaking of uh, stories being being fleshed out or happy or whatever, uh, we talked a little bit about Caesar, um, and maybe some of us or all of us were a little unhappy with how how Caesar's story ended so abruptly. Uh, were there any other characters that you guys really wanted to know more about, um, or felt like weren't given their due justice, or maybe who were like characters that you just really really liked, even though they were brief blips i like i want to know more about uh royal i again i knew it was going to happen because i kept being lulled into such a sense of of stability and happiness and but i was just so excited about cora and royal's relationship honestly like i they she was finally felt like she was opening up to somebody and they kissed, and they cuddled, and it was so good, and then just so abruptly he died, and I want to know so much more about him as a character, because he seems so sweet and good and pure. Um, but I don't know if there's other characters. We talked a little bit about Ethel. I feel like Ethel is an interesting character. She's an interesting character. I feel like I would want to know more about Ethel. Like I feel like there was like one chapter kind of only dedicated to her, and I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I would have liked to have learned more about her. She very much wanted to, like, like we talked about, I don't know if it was the last episode or just before this episode, but, like, she wanted to take care of Cora. She, like, wanted to convert Cora. She wanted to sleep with Cora. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Like, I don't know. I feel like I would have liked to have, like, flushed that out and, like, learned more about her. I think, go ahead. I felt pretty content. All right, but okay. with Ethel, hot take. no, with the with <laughs> the characters with the characters in general. But out of all of the characters that I found interesting, that you know, if there could have been any other information, probably the boy that was with Ridgeway. Yeah, mm. um, oh, yeah. I, I thought out of anybody sure. else, it was just such a complex relationship there, mm-hmm. and it wasn't truly fleshed out. Like it, it just felt so weird that this boy continued to be so loyal uh in the midst of everything else that's going on i think that out of all the characters to me he felt like he had the most mystery but i can't remember what his name is homer homer Homer, Mm -hmm. that's right yeah because every he came back multiple because it wasn't he the one that even tipped it off he like the second time right so like he just feels no shame in his part in all of this obviously because he's being playful on the eve of mm-hmm. this horrific event that he has presumably triggered by confirming that Cora's there and Ridgeway's obviously there because Cora is because that's his like main prerogative at this point in the novel but like I just think that it just doesn't make sense to me it didn't make sense to me 
Uh, maybe the mystery is a good thing because, like I said, I felt pretty content with where everybody's stories really ended, even Caesar. But I, I think that that one was one that just still has me scratching my head mm-hmm. that it was just he was the most mysterious character out of anybody. I think it makes sense. Like, I understand why he's with Ridgeway mm-hmm. because he was basically abandoned and Ridgeway gave him his freedom and it was like this only father familiar figure he had i don't i think don't think he was very old bummer no i that, think that's he was right like, yeah. down so the year ridgeway yeah, right. <laughs> but i think he was just so easily manipulated and ridgeway mm-hmm. is so callous and i think that rubbed off on homer and so he just was also a very callous character to me yeah. like he just didn't care Which he sucks. just went along with it what sucked. ridgeway wanted yeah. and he just was like i'm safe I have Ridgeway. Like, I have my own protection. and Well, he was almost, like, doing what he needed to, su- yeah, to survive. survive. It like, was survival. Was just... but, but that's the thing is, like, that that's true, but he also took on this air of, like, playfulness about it still. His like, he was, just, he was his... just having, like, fun to some degree in certain instances that it was, like... Yeah, it felt like very I, demented. Like, like, it's, yeah, like right. a character. Like, it definitely yeah. was a survival thing. And, like, you it got that sense, me. but it was, like, also this other layer where he was just, like, I'm kind of liking this, which was just, like, it was a bizarre thing. Yeah. It reminded me also, now that you, you said the word demented, and it made me think of the character in the movie Get Out. The uh, Have any of you seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I've seen Get Out. So, like, the guy who... Like the, the, the straw hat the, guy. Yeah, the straw hat black guy mm-hmm. who yeah. like was in. That's what it made me. That when you said yeah. demented, that's what it made me think of. Where he's like almost deluded into or like brainwashed into. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard this is racist. I'm just going to say it. But like some people, like I feel like the, a racist argument for uh, like, uh, like I don't even, I don't even know. I don't know. But like, I feel like I've heard a racist argument that is like, well, black people held slaves too or black people did this or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, First of all, that's rude. But also, like, <laughs> like, the, I, it, like he feels brain, he feels brainwashed. He feels like demented in some way. Like he's just like surviving. He's like it, this is he's doing this for mm-hmm. his survival, and it feels very odd because it feels not like like it's not right. But also, like he feel like it's he's just doing what he. I don't know. I feel like he's been brainwashed by Ridgeway. Yeah, but, into being but, his like weird little sidekick or something. And what's what sucks about that is now. Ridgeway's dead. Yeah. Presumably. Right. And maybe he's not. He's probably messed up pretty badly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, At the very least, very hurt. But and... that that's his ticket into being a part of this world. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah. like, as much as you can see some, like, maybe sympathy with Ridgeway for even allowing this boy to, like, have a future in this country it becomes so much more sinister after the fact because when Ridgeway's gone, this kid has no ability to revert back to, like, this is the way things are because to him as a young boy, that's the way things are. But that's not the way that they can be anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, his ending is also one that's, like, very understated but also pretty devastating, too. Yeah. I think... Every time I picture him is just like theatrical. Like he was not mm-hmm. in reality, even from like the sign that was he was holding like when he first was picked up to the suit and the stove. Like everything yeah. about him seemed like he was just in his own play and world that was not the world that he should exist in. Yeah. And it's probably like this moment that hits him that yeah, yeah like you said, I have to exist now. Yeah. After I was a and piece how? of shit. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also okay, maybe this was just me. But genuinely, 
this thought came into my brain while I was reading the the sections specifically with like Homer and Ridgeway interacting. I felt almost like Homer was like in love with Ridgeway, like in a weird way. Like yeah. I don't. There's no evidence of like any weird I, sexual love. undertone. <laughs> But, like, so much of, like, the way that he, like, so um, earnestly and excitedly writes down Ridgeway's thoughts, like, as Cora's getting away. Yeah. At the end, like, it's, like, a weird, like, obsession and, like, something about it feels <laughs> I romantic almost. And I don't know how to describe that. I also think that Ridgeway, as a character around like sex sex things is fascinating because he like he wants this like slaves Cora specifically to hurt and to go to this terrible existence but every time a guy in his like party tries to like have sex with Cora or rape Cora or do whatever like he gets Ridgeway gets pissed which is such a weird thing about his character does any i don't know how to unpack that i also thought it was strange but i didn't know if that was just the logistics of she doesn't have change she's obviously smart like i didn't know if that was don't rape her because rape or don't rape her because we're she's gonna get away and you're drunk type of thing in that instance yeah but i feel like there were other parts where he was weird about even men looking at her like he turned them down right away and was like go away like at the bar i think maybe or somewhere like weirdly possessive about her but also he never tried to touch her right yeah it almost seemed like an abusive relationship like he thought they were in a relationship of some kind or something and because he was always very possessive of her and kind of weird like weirdly protective it's right but not attracted to her at any point is it like protective feels very weird because it was like she can't be abused, but, like, the only way she can be abused if it, is if I do it. Like, that's the only... Or, like, the only way she can or be treated Or if her is owner I, does. Yeah. Like, and, once I give you back, then they can do whatever they want. I mean, it is, like, an emotional relationship in the sense that, like, he is very obsessed with her particularly. It's not a normal, like, slave catcher mindset. It's, like, Cora. It's not slaves. It's, like, I... I need Cora. Mm -hmm. Cora's going to make it. This is what my life is now. Like, he he was so about that that I feel like that kind of informs a little bit. He was, like, obsessed with her. It's like an ego thing with him. But that still doesn't... I still don't understand why he got upset when other men tried to do things with her or look at her. Like, can't mess with his pride. Possession, yeah. Yeah. His it, his... I don't know. I don't understand that his character is very confusing. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right. Well, um, final thoughts, everybody. I can start with my final thought. Uh, this is mostly unrelated to uh, the discussion that we've had, but I don't know if anybody else read the acknowledgments on the last page. I did not. Um, I, I will admit that right now. I feel like, Brian, you out of anybody would really appreciate the last part of the acknowledgments. Um, <laughs> uh, so he talks about, like, the normal people that you think. Um, and then he talks about the runaway slave advertisements. But then the last few sentences, he says, the first 100 pages were fueled by early misfits. 
where eagles dare fast version horror business hybrid moments and blank mass dead format david bowie is in every book and i always put on purple rain and daydream nation when i write the final pages so thanks to him and prince and sonic youth (laughs) that's great (laughs) i just really appreciated that writing the end of of slave era america listening to sonic youth yes and prince prince I also appreciate the thanking of Franklin D. Roosevelt for funding the Federal Writers Project and Frederick Douglass and Harriet Jacobs. Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. I mean, like, we should all thank historical figures in all of our writing. (laughs) Uh, FDR, obviously. Thanks, FDR, for your your work. I appreciate it. My good friend, FDR. My good friend, FDR. FDR, still killing it. (laughs) So good. All these years later. Um, But... on top, like, coming off of that, this is the second book I've read by Colson Whitehead. I've really liked both of them. I think that he, he the way that he structures things um, is so good. Like, so absurdly good. I don't understand how a book can flow that well and, like, bring you in so easily um, to a story that is so sad and so complicated. Um, so I... Thanks, Colson Whitehead. That's what I my final thought is. Nickel Boys is killing it also yes. on Goodreads because so, we talked about it last time. But I've seen a bunch of people been reading it. And it's been getting oh. good reviews. Also, yeah. in my classroom, I have a sign up on the wall that says "like currently reading," and I've had this up there for the past couple of weeks. You can and move it. I know I can finally <laughs> change it. But uh, literally earlier this week, this kid, one of my sophomore kids saw it and he was like what is um underground railroad about and i was oh, like no. i was like it's a i mean it's about the underground railroad um like from slave era america uh, but i was like but it's really interesting because he made it into an actual railroad and i tried to explain it to this kid this is another and kyle he, yeah. <laughs> oh kyle he um this kid in particular is a a Kyle. <laughs> He's like maybe kind of a stoner. A Kyle. And so he was just like nodding along and was like, what? That sure. sounds awesome. Oh. Like, I should read that. Sick. Sick. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> and I was like, we worked it in somehow, baby. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> but yeah, so um, the youth of America. Kyle wants to read it. <laughs> the youth wants to read it. Sick. <laughs> Those are my final thoughts. <laughs> the youth of america final thoughts yeah youth of america i was reading this during my plan period because last minute um and my kid was like you're reading ew <laughs> and had no interest bummer, so you're one up you're on that one <laughs> um but this was my first cold and white colson whitehead will not be my last um and i look forward to starting nickel boys, nickel boys. soon so <laughs> yeah it's great yeah i enjoy i was impressed with like again his ability to like uh create a page turner out of such a depressing uh era of america like i think that it was um i like i mean i i finished i finished it so quickly and like i feel like i i wanted more like i would have read several more of these Mm -hmm. like um that that took place like i would have read several more of these books like um from someone like cora's point of view and i feel like that's an amazing feat um to write something that people want to read about slavery and that's not so heavy that you need to like put it down or take a break but i feel like you can yeah yeah you yeah you it's a page turn you want to keep reading even when it's 
tragic. And I think that's important. Like, I feel like it's an important balance to find, <clears throat> to educate people, like, to just continue to, like, uh, showcase the horrors of, of the era, but also, like, keep people reading about it. Like, you know, make it not so horrible that people can't, you know, can just be like, oh, it's, it's too sad. It's too horrible that I can't keep reading. And it's like, no, actually, we should keep reading. Like, we need to keep reading about it. We need to keep being reminded about it. Uh, and I think Youth the he- of America. The youth <laughs> of America need to keep reading about it. And I think he really achieved that. Like, he achieved, like, a, a, hor- like a horrifying page turner. And uh, I think that's important. Yeah, as Oprah said, it's heart-stopping. <laughs> <laughs> terrific. Yeah, also, also terrific, Brock, but... As we don't have FDR Oprah, thoughts. I really, <laughs> yeah, I what would FDR listen, say? You guys, I she called it, him out. He can't I, write a blurb. I FDR? Called, I called it a horrifying page turner, and nobody quoted me on the back wow. of the book. I honestly, though, <laughs> speaking of blurbs on the front, I think that probably Barack Obama said something more interesting than, than just terrific. terrific. Yeah, no, I yeah. think he probably called it something else. <laughs> Out of context. <laughs> but it, there is a period. I mean, maybe that's, that's a, all that's he said. He thought. texted Colson Whitehead just, just terrific. terrific. Just lit- My dude. Bro, Yo, can I use this? Literally use anything. This? Literally <laughs> so, send me anything. So terrific. It's sick, dude. Um, <laughs> sick, dude. Uh, I thought this book was amazing. I thought it was like really like a masterwork. Like I was honestly impressed. I thought it was going to be really good. I'm first of all a big sucker for uh like structural ideas that go throughout a whole novel so i still was like a huge fan of that short story and then state like back and forth and that that happened the whole time because you know it's easy to go away from a structure like that to kind of like take one detour but he never did um and there was just so many instances where he set up a lot of plot devices like with the almanac Mm -hmm. and it found a way to resolve in a nice way in the middle of the novel. And there were just so many instances of that. And also the fact that we kept talking about how he did such a good job again in the middle of the novel to build up to some kind of like euphoric peak to tear it down. And it didn't ever feel derivative as you were making your way through the novel. It didn't feel like, Oh, this again, like they were all new, good places to be that he still found new interesting and devastating ways to tear them down again and so overall i just i i don't know i don't know what i was expecting but this like this probably was one of my favorite books i've read this year yeah in all honesty i agree with that um so i'm i am excited to get into nickel boys um at some point <laughs> that's oh, i think I that's boy? the correct pronunciation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, boys hopefully it is also uh hopefully it also has a barack blurb um neat we, yeah. super great Sweet. <laughs> um but yeah i i was a big fan and uh i will be looking forward to not only just nickel boys i think i'll be diving into some more colson whitehead because that was great so we own zone one yeah we do already. It's in the picture of our last podcast. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Boom. So, yeah, that wraps up the Underground Railroad. Thanks for joining us, Emily. Thanks for having me. It was a good couple episodes. We will be continuing on next episode with Danny's book, which is going to be? Northwest by Zadie Smith. Which is also exciting. Yeah. I feel like I've seen a lot of people recently on Goodreads reading Zadie Smith. Not. Sweet. 
not Northwest, but yeah, it's been Zadie Smith. But that's the one we're reading. That's what we're reading. That's so what get we're reading. ready. Yeah, so that'll be exciting. And uh, after that, we will have a little wrap up of the season, which will be a good time. We'll have to remember this Kansas City craft beer or Kansas City craft brewers. That's a new one. What a time on the list. <laughs> I was a Hot fan. Hot owned. Hot owned. By the way, we never have like Hot a... Hot owned, yes. We, 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 we never have a wrap-up of the beer when we finish it. Solid beer. It was pretty good. I would have tried yeah. the pale ale. Agreed. Surprisingly, Solid can. The pale Great ale... Design. Solid can. The pale ale is <laughs> weaker. Sorry. ASMR. Oh, was... <laughs> We're so sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, anyway, we will uh, catch you next time. Who wants to scat? We should all scat. This was the free jazz hour brought to you by NPR. Catch you next time. Sick. Bye.